Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, technically not in November, even though that's the theme of this podcast, but Kentucky on versus Mississippi State on October 30th here in Starkville. That will be a key game for the Bulldogs' season. Joining me now to look at the Wildcats is Derek Terry. He covers the Wildcats uh, for Cats Paws 24-7. Derek, this was a game a season ago that I thought really just broke Mississippi State's season. They got absolutely humiliated up there in Lexington. Uh, Kentucky totally dominated the game, especially defensively. And, and from there, it was just it was just no good for Mississippi State until the end of the season. It took them basically another month and a half to get things back to normal. For Kentucky, you know, what kind of team does this look like this year in terms of mis- this this particular game in the secondary defensively? Can they be as dominant as they were a season ago against Mississippi State? Yeah, I, mean, I think uh, Kentucky's going to have quite a few questions. Maybe not quite a few, but a, but a few questions to answer. They actually had five guys. Uh, drafted off that defense, which was uh, obviously very good for a program like Kentucky. Uh, it's an interesting defense in the sense that I think there are proven playmakers at every level of the defense, but there are some spots here or there that are going to have some question marks. Uh, for example, uh, at defensive end, Josh Paschal, who had a very good game actually against Mississippi State, ended up getting hurt that game, and it really hurt the rest of the season. Uh, but he had an interception against Mississippi State. I think he's a, a potential all-SEC type player if he's healthy. Former four-star recruit, been around a long time, uh, beat cancer. So a really great story there with Josh Pascal. And then Marquand McCall at Noseguard, he's, he's backed up Quentin Bohanna, who got picked by the Cowboys. Uh, he backed him up for three seasons, another highly rated recruit. So you feel good there, but a defensive tackle. You know, UK runs a 3-4 defense. Their defensive tackle got drafted by the Panthers. And uh, they're not even going to name a starter at that position, actually. They're just going to go with uh, kind of a committee. Up there, but none of those guys are really proven to this point. Uh, linebacker, they, sh- they shored up uh, middle linebacker a little bit by getting Jarquez Jones from uh, Ole Miss. He's coming in here to probably start alongside DeAndre Square, and then they have some really good depth, potentially, I should say, with some former four-star recruits. Uh, Trevin Wallace was, I think, the number 32 player in the country by 247sports.com, so... Someone with a lot of potential. And then in the secondary, you know, two new corners is going to be a little bit tricky. But Yusuf Corker at safety, I think, will, will have a pretty good season. Potential draft pick there, I think. And then uh, Ty Asian, the other safety, has played a lot of football. Vito Tisdale, Devontae Robinson. Safety is a good spot, I think, for Kentucky. But corner is going to be a big question mark going into the season. Offensively, I thought Mississippi State did enough in that game to win. You know, if you look at the, the one pick six and another interception that was taken all the way down to the, the two or three yard line. Kentucky offensively last year with Terry Wilson versus what they're going to look like this year, from what I can tell, it's going to be a completely different uh, look for the Wildcats. Yeah, it will be. Uh, I think Mark Stoops made a really tough decision. Uh, Eddie Grant, I think, in the national media for sure. I think there were, I can remember when he fired Eddie Grant, there were some national media guys really questioning why Stoops would make that move. Um, and I, I think Grant is a good offensive coordinator, but it was time for a change. I mean, Kentucky's passing offense they got so bad over the last few years that there was just no way they were going to be able to keep recruiting, honestly, uh, wide receivers to come play here. So they made a change to Liam Cohen, who was uh, an assistant quarterback coach for the Los Angeles Rams. Really a uh, off-the-wall move for a guy like Stoops, who's typically been a pretty conservative guy on offense. Like, this is a bit of a risk, I think, that he's taking, but it's a, it's a gamble that's Already, I think, paid off because part of the reason they were able to get Wondell Robinson to transfer back home after spending two years in Nebraska is just that he would be able to come here and play in the slot. So they're an interesting offense in the sense that it's really hard to put a ceiling on them or even a floor to know how good they could be because 
the coordinator's pretty much brand new. They're going to have a brand new quarterback, whether it's Joey Gatewood or a lot of people think my favorite is Will Levis transferring in from Penn State. So transfers are going to play a big role in this offense. Uh, they're likely to get uh, Dare Rosenthal from LSU, who will probably slide in and start a tackle with Darian Kennard, which should set up, honestly, one of the best tackle tandems, I think, in college football, just pure talent-wise. So I think there are... are or areas of Kentucky's offense that there's a lot to like. I, I haven't even mentioned Chris Rodriguez, who could be one of the better running backs in the SEC statistically. Um, so I think there's a lot of potential there, but until we see it in action, it's really hard to kind of know how this thing will look. But the good news, I think, if you're Mississippi State, is that game's so late in the year that Kentucky should probably have its identity by then. Does that worry you, though? Because I, I, when coaches go against what their philosophy is, sometimes they're slow to, to grasp it. Sometimes I, I, what I mean by that is, Mark Stoops is such a hard-nosed, old-school football coach. The idea of throwing the ball all over the all over the field probably doesn't really sit well with him, like you, you said. <laughs> is he, is he going to be one of those coaches who just lets the offensive coordinator do his job, or is he a guy who might might step in and, and, and the offense doesn't look as different as you might think today in July? So we probably got probably don't have enough time to really discuss the ins and outs of Stoops' tenure at UK, but that's kind of the funny thing about Stoops is when he got here, like, they ran an air raid offense. Like, the first three years that he was at Kentucky, that was supposed to be the identity. Was that, you know, he, he had spent time, obviously he was at Florida State, but his brother all those years was Big 12. Like, I think in Stoops' mind, the hardest offenses to defend were the ones that ran out of the shotgun, threw it a lot. They, more or less, under Grand. I mean, they had a quarterback injury in 2016, and that's more or less how they became like a run-first team. They ran into Benny Snell, who had a way better career than anybody could have ever predicted uh, coming out of high school. So like, they kind of formed that identity more or less out of necessity. So I think what he's done now is found a balance. Like the Rams, the way that they're on their offense, a lot of play action. The run game's still a big focal point. So I think the reason he targeted Cohen is because he could kind of have that balance still of a running offense. But I mean, they, they had to throw the ball better. It's just, you can't. Kentucky was able the last few years to kind of stay mid tier in the SEC, which, I mean, if we're being real, for Kentucky football, like, that's, that's not a bad spot to be. Seven, seven wins a year, eight wins a year. Like, you'll keep people happy, but it, it became very apparent, I think, the last last year in particular, that like, they were never going to have a chance. And maybe they'll never be good enough to beat Georgia or Florida or on a regular basis. You know, probably not on paper, but you're never going to have a chance playing the way that Kentucky was. And I think Stoops felt comfortable enough in his tenure at Kentucky that he could take, take a, a bit of a risk like this. I mean, you're talking about Liam Cohen. I think he's you know under 35 years old. This is a young guy coming in who's never had this kind of responsibility, but he's learned from Sean McVay. He was a standout himself at UMass as a player. Like I think there's a lot to like just when you hear Liam Cohen talk. But to your point, yeah, like, I, I think there is some some risk anytime you do make a coordinator change because that's the one thing you could say about him and Eddie Grant is they were both very comfortable with one another. They were both older guys in the profession who had been together at previous stops. Uh, but this was a change that I think I think you'll see Kentucky have a better offense this year. Uh, but again, like we said, that does not come without some risk. You mentioned the uh, the potential LSU transfer and, and, and the Kentucky offensive line. One of the better offensive lines in the conference a season ago, and it looks like it's poised to be like that again. State's defense, you know, at 3-3-5, it's designed to cause confusion and, and, you know, get into the offensive line's head. They bring pressure from different places. It feels like this is a plus matchup for Kentucky having those veterans there. Yeah, that's another area that, I mean, it's no fault of their own. Like, you know, they were very experienced last year, and there was a lot of, uh, I mean, their offensive line coach passed away from cancer during yeah. the season last year. Like, there was, 
you know, John Schwarman had coached those guys up. They were they were an old group up front. Drake Jackson was one of the best centers in the country. He's an all-SEC guy. They have to replace that this year. And it, it seems like Luke Fortner is on a spot over from right guard. He's another guy who I think might already be <laughs> close to being done with his NBA. Like, he's just a very smart kid. Was probably going to go to Northwestern. I did not go to Kentucky. And, uh, you know, he'll slide over to center. And, but it's going to be different. I mean, you got to handle those calls. The previous offense, I don't know how much this one will. Um, I, but I think for any offense, you can count on the center. I mean, they're going to have a lot of responsibility. So that's another area that you, know, you have to look at. And that's the point, too, I wanted to make when I was, you know, Kentucky's identity did become like a run-first offense. And I think, and maybe even I get guilty of this sometimes, too, I think we have a thought that Kentucky naturally is just going to be able to run the ball well, whereas maybe that won't hold as true because they're going to score outside run. It's going to be a little bit different than what they've been doing. The running backs are going to have some different responsibilities. Like, who is to say that they for sure will continue to be a very good rushing offense? I would lean towards thinking that they'll still be pretty good. Um, but, you know, anytime you make a change, sometimes there's some you know, unintended consequences, and perhaps that will be that. But I think they have so many good bodies up front that I would be surprised if it didn't happen. Uh, but it is still something to watch for, I think, when you're evaluating Kentucky's offense this season. Because it's going to look different. I mean, there's no question. It's going to look different than how they've been operating the last few years. Looks like that news about Rosenthal just made it was just made official too. So yeah, oh, okay. to Kentucky. So sorry, sorry. Yeah, to probably take, need yeah. to get off and write that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't written already. But uh, yeah. sort of the last thing, you know, October thirtieth game. So this is sort of the the beginning of the stretch run for both teams. I've said it in the past. Kentucky is one of the most important games on Mississippi State's schedule. The reason State's been able to go to bowl games over the past decade is they've consistently been able to beat Kentucky. Now Kentucky is, is you know, I think one what. Uh, two of the last three and three of the last five against Mississippi State. How important for a, a successful season is the Mississippi State game to Kentucky? Well, I mean, it's huge. Um, I, I think this year, when you look at the way Kentucky's schedule sets up, I mean, they got a great chance that they can beat Missouri to start off in, in South Carolina, too, but I, I think they will beat South Carolina. They can start off 4-0 before uh, yeah. they get a tough uh, October uh, they got to play, I forget the order, I, I believe it's Florida, LSU, and Georgia all in a row. And then they play Mississippi State. Um, I believe that's coming off a of bye week. But one of the more interesting stats is that I mean, Kentucky's not won in Starkville since 2008. Um, and that's, you know, Kentucky was pretty bad there for some of those years. But, you know, even in 2017, 2019, Kentucky was a bowl team. Uh, I felt like in 2019, with a healthy quarterback, they probably would have stood a little bit better chance to win that game. Uh, so it's it's huge. I mean, if you're if you're Kentucky, and I think Mississippi State has to feel the same way. It's, it's all these mid tier teams that are all kind of the same stratosphere. Like you never have a prayer of winning the league if you don't handle the teams that are kind of on your level. You know, if you're a team like Kentucky, like in 2018, I thought that was a critical win for UK at home. Mississippi State, I think, was ranked 14th at the time. Came up to Lexington, Benny Snell ran for four touchdowns, and Josh Allen kind of you know put himself on the map on the national map that game with what he did. And I thought it really propelled them. Um, this year, you know, they need to end that streak. Mark Stitz has ended a lot of the bad streaks for Kentucky football. You know, they ended the Florida losing streak. They crushed Tennessee and Knoxville last year. They hadn't won down there since the 80s. Like, I'm not trying to speak bad of Mississippi State's football program. It's just, you know, you can't really – how seriously can you be taken, though, as a football program if you have a, that lengthy of a losing streak to a team that I would say is on your tier? You know, you've got to be able yeah. to go on the road and win a game uh, down there. And, and that's that's kind of the weird thing about this series is, I mean, whoever's been the home team the last few years is more or less 
had a relatively easy win, I would say. I yeah. mean, 2017, I think it was 45 to 7 yeah. in Mississippi State's favor. Yeah, no, no question about it. It's been it's been a, an odd series the past four or five years in terms of you know going home and away. You, it, it has been difficult to win on the road. Both teams. We'll see what uh, what happens in Starkville on, on October the thirtieth. Uh, Derek Terry from Cat's Paws twenty four seven man. Thanks so much for the time. I know you got something to go uh, upload. Get that content going. <laughs> All right. I thank you for having me. A Super Talk Mississippi yeah. Media Production.